You're listening to The Voice. Benvenuti a Leuven. Leuven, Jürgen. Добро пожаловать в Leuven. Bienvenue à Leuven. Willkommen in Leuven. Leuven에 오신 걸 환영합니다. Welcome in Leuven. Hello, Leuven. This is The Voice on Radio. We are back for a very special program. And first of all, I'd like to invite my co-host for today's show and, of course, from these previous weeks. Hi, Anita. How are you today? Hi, Nicholas. I'm doing good. Thank you. I actually experienced a quite rare event by, while coming here, and that is a bike ride in the sun. So, <laughs> yeah, brighten up my day. <laughs> this week has been very weird, to be honest. Yeah, uh, warm, I would also say. So, it was nice to be, to be outside. Yes, indeed. The other day I went for a walk. It was 20 degrees. I felt like summer a bit. Yeah, so, yeah. Very exciting here in Belgium. For the winter that is coming, it's nice to have these little days of preparation. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I was happy to, to have this little sun today. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and well, before moving on, I would like to invite all our listeners to follow us on our social media. So in the first place, you can find all of our different articles on our website, thevoiceluven.be, or in the Vito website under The Voice tab, on Facebook as The Voice International Student Publication, on Instagram as thevoice.kluven or The Voice Student Magazine. On Spotify, podcast.com and Mixcloud, don't forget that you can find all of our shows as The Voice on Radio, or you can just look as The Voice Kluven, and for sure you'll be able to find us. I think we are ready for our first song. So, Anita, do you want to go ahead and introduce it? Uh, yes, please. So, the vibe of today is um, quite poetic, since uh, the show is, will be about poetry. So, the selection is based on uh, some poetic lyrics. Uh, so, the first song is called Sleeping on the Black Top by Coulter. Enjoy. <laughs> Elsewhere before, just as familiar as a bottle and a glass. Head darling, sleeping on the black top. Head darling, running through the trees, honey. Head darling, leaving for the next town. Lesson my set sketches up with me. Head darling, sleeping on the black top. Head darling, running through the trees, honey. Head darling, leaving for the next town. Lesson my set sketches up with me. Catches up with me. 
and we are back. That was Sleeping on the Blacktop by Coulter Wall. And Anita, I know you have some articles prepared for us of what is going on with the voice right now. Yes, I do. So there's two new uh, pieces of news on our uh, website. Uh, very interesting to check them out. The first one is uh, in the politics and opinion section. Uh, the title is K.U. Leuven, Rector's Mea Culpa, does not combine well with censorship and cover-ups. So the title already speaks for itself. It's a very thought-provoking article, um, kind of a piece of investigation. Inveg- news. Um, so we all know that this year and well, last year as well, uh, the University of Leuven has been advancing values of inclusivity, safety and respect. Uh, also, it was, uh, it was mentioned again in this the inauguration talk by our rector this year, uh, which is really nice. And uh, yeah, I feel proud to be to be at K. Leuven when I hear this. But then this article also argues that some recent episodes and specifically an episode of uh, censorship uh, by K. Leuven University on a, on a critical uh, comment of a student in the in the YouTube channel actually contradicts this philosophy of justice and tolerance. So uh, it was really interesting to read. Uh, also, the, the article um, recalls the tra- tragic events of Sanda Dia's death and also um, argues uh, or yeah, talk about how the rector and the university in general handle these um, the events that followed and handled the families grief uh, over the death of the student. So it's very interesting and I really suggest taking a look at it um, because, yeah, it's definitely something that uh, provo- yeah, drives us to think more about about this uh, philosophy that has been yeah promoted this year and really, yeah, to get a panoramic view of it. Um, and then in the art and culture section, we have uh, Were You There? I Believe in Dinosaur Review. Um, so this is a, a movie that has been um, uh, posted on the Docvale platform for this year festival. Um, and this article brings up interesting points on the conflict between science and religion, uh, as in the do- in documentary as well. There are um, different uh, characters that embody uh, this tension, science, more science-based or religion-based mindsets. Uh, and the author also integrated inter- interesting personal experiences uh, related to Buddhism rather than Christianism, but still interesting. And the article ends with an interesting question. Uh, is it in actuality either paradiso or hell and damnation if we choose to go against what we were brought up with? So if you want to know more about how the documentary contributes to this kind of existential question, uh, check it out on our website. And that will be all for for this side of the of the board. And I will go on introducing the next song, uh, You, Dear, by Eloise. I've spent a lot of time looking out of hotel windows, seeing the trees concave when that Colorado wind blows. I know the metro system inside out Paris never changes I know my way about I said no when you asked me to dance As I pulled away you whispered stay I was in a trance I happen to know that what I felt you felt too That makes no difference to me I know this love is doomed But you did I, I didn't think I'd find you here Oh, roaming in the corners of my mind Complacent, and though I laugh along, I find you test my patience. Sure, I have less fun when you are not around. And when I come to think of it, my feet don't touch the ground. But you, dear, 
a bit of news that I selected from real life, the real world. Uh, yeah, so the first one is local. I think as we're mentioning uh, that between, the, I mean, during this week and this morning as well, um, there has been uh, some laws approved, um, more restrictions, uh, or at least they clarified a bit, the Belgian government clarified a bit what's going to happen with sports and culture. Uh, so I don't know if this concerns you, Nicolas. Do you do any sports? Not really. I'm a lazy animal, but the bars <laughs> concern me. Okay, well, that's already gone for you. I'm sorry. Yeah, Bars exactly. are closed. But <laughs> but at least for sports, uh, some of them uh, can still take place. I mean, more, more precisely, all professional sports games, uh, but without an audience. And then all amateur games for everyone over 18 years old will actually be prohibited. But outdoor training can continue. So you can still take some laps around your neighborhood if you want to. Um, and as for theaters, cinemas, and concert halls, they can still host events uh, as long as audience does not exceed 200 people. So that I, I guess that's a good news for us as an audience, but also for the sector that doesn't have to completely shut for the moment. But we will see. We will see in the next few weeks how the code. I mean, if we get to code red, or I don't know, really, what's gonna happen? Yeah, ho hopefully not. Yeah, let's let's hope, huh? but not not hope. Let's not get raised the hopes too high. Anyways, <laughs> exactly happened once can happen again. So yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> so and then I have two news. Um, yeah, one is more like a, a negative, I would say. Um, it's two different laws that got approved in Europe and in Poland. First one, yeah, is um, is a is a, the Poland top court. Uh, who ruled Thursday that a law allowing abortion of fetuses with congenital defects is un unconstitutional. So as stated by the Council of Europe's Human Rights Commissioner, this is kind of a sad day for women's rights. Uh, and I thought it was worth mentioning. Um, so the court, uh, the, the Poland top uh, court argued that terminating pregnancy due to defects of fetus amounted to eugenics, um, um, and eugenics is a, is a 19th century notion of genetic selection uh, that was later applied by Nazis in their pseudoscientific experiments, um, in case somebody doesn't know this. Um, so yeah, the, these steps have drawn condemnation from the European Union, of course, uh, which says they violate the democratic, democratic principle of the rule of law. And indeed, Poland is one of the few uh, countries in Europe that still um, restricts this much abortions, uh, due probably to the how Christian this, this country is. Um, so yeah, indeed, kind of a sad day for women's rights again. Uh, and then we have a more um, uh, inspiring or positive note. Uh, it's, a, it's a new law that the European Parliament has called for um, that wants to stop EU-driven deforestation. So globally, the EU is, is responsible for over 10% of forest destruction. Um, and we are part of this as we consume commodities uh, like meat, dairy, soy, uh, palm oil, coffee, cacao. 
so we're all in this. We're all <laughs> somehow irresponsible. Uh, but uh, this law uh, was actually adopted by a clear majority um, and uh, would apply to commodities again as yeah, palm oil, soy, beef, leather, um, and thereby reassuring consumers that they have not unlawfully brought into the destruction of nature through their shopping. So this this is a is a, gives me hope. Do you have any comments uh, about this about this, Nicholas? I wish they could do something like U.S. driven deforestation rather than European. Well, Europe alone. Because I think that, for instance, most of these things that we are saying, palm oil or like the production of animal feed is a huge problem in U.S. And of course, in Europe as well, but here they're taking so many measures every year. But in U.S. you have like Monsanto and these other companies that are making this issue like, wow, it's really getting out of their hands. Yeah, I agree. But I think it's a very unfavorable environment right now, the U.S., uh, especially with Trump, you know, to... (laughs) to acknowledge all this environmental destruction and to even restrict it somehow. And Europe has been like the 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 project the the has cast a lot of attention on environmental uh, awareness of I would you say, yeah, the, the environmental side of uh, policies right now. Yeah, yes, exactly. But at the end it has to be worldwide implemented because it's not the same well, it doesn't have the same effect that here we're doing something about it and then Trump or whoever gets to be president will be like, Okay, it doesn't exist as he's come with the climate change, for example. So I think it has to be like a unified vision in the world. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well also Brazil if you think about yeah, it. Exactly. But that they're actually owning the the, the the, the forest. So, I mean, uh, I agree that if there, it's not global, it will, we will never actually, um, yeah, improve the situation, but it's also very hard. And we'll see after the elections in the U.S. if if Trump's out of the way, <laughs> uh, if there are going to be some more, yeah, some uh, a more open-minded uh, view on the topics and maybe the legislator will open up to, to some... Yeah, to some provisions on these topics. Well, we'll see. But uh, for now, it's good that Euro- the Europe is is trying to implement these sort of laws mm, and some baby steps. Yeah, baby steps exactly. And uh, I have a one last new piece of news. It's more like yeah, funny news uh, that I read this morning. I thought it was worth mentioning. So um, hundreds of self-cloning crayfish are invading Antwerp cemeteries. Um, so this. This uh, crayfish are the marble crayfish, and these creatures uh, do, do not actually exist in nature. Um, but um, they're thought to have been created experimentally by pet traders in Germany in the 90s. Um, and uh, what is really special about them is that they are able to reproduce without mating. So it means that they um, they clone themselves and they reproduce exponentially. So in a way, they, once they're out in the wild, they're they're actually a threat to the local environment uh, because they can eat anything that they get a hold of, and uh, they're able to travel up to two kilometers and dig down to a depth of one meter. So they're they have an impact impact on the environment and um, what has been has been argued and and when they when they were asking how did it get into the wild uh, they said that some someone apparently had the animal in their aquarium and then set it free in the canal so i don't know if it's actually true but uh, actually yeah it's been spotted also in near Leuven. so yeah. last week was coronavirus like in the canals and now it's a weird animal we're <laughs> we're going the, the good way here yeah exactly but i don't i don't know i thought it's funny and uh, although it's funny it's actually a serious matter because because when uh, yeah, invasive species that are actually not uh, born in the wild, uh, they're they're yeah set free. It can be really a, a threat to to nature. So yeah, exactly. we will see. We'll stay tuned about this crayfish. Uh, so that's all I got for today. Um, I will introduce the third song of today, uh, "Goodbye Girl" by the Civil Wars. I 
disappear into the city smaller and smaller you faded that's that say goodbye and don't look back so Goodbye Girl by The Civil Wars. And today we have a very special guest with us and probably you already know her because she did a very interesting um, review on one of the documentaries from the Dogville Festival here in Leuven. Her name is Claire Haley and hi Claire, how are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? Very fine. Um, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Welcome to the Red Show. Welcome to the Voice on Radio. And today we are having something very special. Today poetry is taking over the Voice on Radio. So today's show is not really called the Voice on Radio, but it's called Poetry on the Radio. So before presenting a little bit the topic, I would like you to tell us a little bit about yourself. What are you doing here in Leuven? What are you studying? Uh, well, I'm studying. I'm doing a master's in English linguistics and literary studies, and. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's that's basically it. I'm from Ireland and uh, I've come to Leuven to study and uh, enjoying it so far. And I'm the arts and uh, culture editor for The Voice, myself and Daya. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Daya, we had her two weeks ago in a very interesting show on music and today we're going with poetry. I'll explain very briefly what today's show will be about or like this segment of the show. We know that two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the new novel for literature was announced. It was an American um, writer. She was amazing. And we actually, I spoiled the show two weeks ago or last week saying that I would bring one of her poems 
and for a poetry show, and this is it. We try to recover like some different poems from former winners of the Nobel Prize in Literature, and today we are having in English and in Spanish some of their writings. So as you know, my mother tongue is Spanish, so I'll be doing the ones in Spanish. I think it was fair to keep the originality of the texts, and it's the same case with Claire. She, her mother tongue is English, of course, and she brought some poems that are originally originally written in English. Let's start with our first poem. I don't know if you would like to introduce it or if you want me to introduce you and, Jen, and then you start with it as you prefer. Um, I'll just say that it's by Louise Gluck, who won this year, and uh, it's called A Myth of Devotion from a poetry collection that came out in 2006, I believe. When Hades decided he loved this girl, he built for her a duplicate of Earth. Everything the same, down to the meadow, but with a bed added. Everything the same, including sunlight, because it would be hard on a young girl to go so quickly from bright light to utter darkness. Gradually, he thought he'd introduce the night. First, as the shadows of fluttering leaves, then moon, then stars, then no moon, no stars. Let Persephone get used to it slowly. In the end, he thought, she'd find it comforting. A replica of Earth, except there was love here. Doesn't everyone want love? He waited many years, building a world, watching Persephone in the meadow. Persephone, a smeller, a taster. If you have one appetite, he thought, you have them all. Doesn't everyone want to feel in the night the beloved body, compass, pole star, to hear the quiet breathing that says, I am alive. That means also you are alive because you hear me. You are here with me. And when one turns, the other turns. That's what he felt, the Lord of Darkness looking at the world he had constructed for Persephone. It never crossed his mind that there'd be no more smelling here, certainly no more eating. Guilt, terror, the fear of love, these things he couldn't imagine. No lover ever imagines them. He dreams. He wonders what to call this place. First he thinks, the new hell. Then, the garden. In the end, he decides to name it Persephone's girlhood. A soft light rising above the level meadow, meadow behind the bed. He takes her in his arms. He wants to say, I love you, nothing can hurt you. But he thinks this is a lie. So he says in the end, you're dead, nothing can hurt you. Which seems to him a more promising beginning, more true. Wow, <laughs> that, that was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's very powerful the, the way you have like as well some names from mythology that makes mm -hmm. it more special. So I don't know why, why have you chosen this poem from her repertoire? Um, well, I, I read a few of her poems. I wasn't familiar with her, as I told you before. I'd never heard of her before uh, before she won the Nobel Prize. Um, so I had a look through some of the poems that she written, and uh, she, she has a generally quite a conversational style, which I tend to appreciate in poetry. I think it's uh, better to make it accessible to people. I mean, poetry is a quite inaccessible medium to begin with, yeah. so it's better <laughs> to true. try and make it accessible to people. And, uh, um, yeah, this one, I, I, I don't know why in particular I liked it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big, I'm not very well informed on Greek mythology, but um, I had a, a look at the background for this myth of, of Hades and Persephone. There's a, a Hades, the, the lord of the underworld, abducted Persephone, who is the daughter of Zeus, and um, uh, brought her down to the underworld and because um, he was in love with her. And uh, what did he do then? He was going to keep her there, uh, but then, oh, I don't know, he, he something happened and she was going to be uh, released. But the problem was that she had eaten pomegranate seeds from the underworld. And because she'd eaten pomegranate seeds, she was, um, she was like, tainted. So she had, <laughs> there's some rule that okay. she had to stay in the underworld for, um, for uh, I think, uh, half the year. So, um, uh, yeah. That's what the that's what the poem is about, I guess. It's it's sort of retelling that, but from Hades' perspective, the sort of not villainizing him, sort of uh, making him into a uh, just a, just a boy in love, <laughs> and and uh, creating this world for Persephone. It's a, it, it's good. So this whole um, collection that it's part of is about the myth of Persephone. Loads of poems about this wow. one myth. Wow, but that that's amazing for readers to connect little by little what you can find in her poetry. Yeah, I think it's a very particular way of writing. Mm -hmm. Like to know that whatever you're writing, you're connecting little dots. So for someone that really likes your poetry, will be impressed not only by the poem itself but by the collection. Mm -hmm. So it's it's quite impressive. Yeah. I, I really liked it. Yeah, me too. I, I especially like the ending. I don't know. I don't know why in particular, but you know they they say that there's always 
a, a line in a poem that's like the window to the poem. Yeah. I like the ending to that. What exactly is it? It's like, you are dead. Uh, it, he wants to say, I love you, nothing can hurt you, but he thinks this is a lie, so he says in the end, you're dead, nothing can hurt yeah. you. It's, it's, <laughs> it keeps you thinking. Yeah. It, it changes the whole perspective of the poem itself. Yeah. Like you, you generate this idea or this story in your mind during the poem, and at the end they reveal something that you were not expecting, yeah. and then okay, the story was not as I imagined. So it's a shock. Okay, I need to reimagine it again, yeah. and then you keep thinking after the poem. Yeah, exactly. So, but it, it was really beautiful, and what I loved is that, I mean, I'm not the kind of guy that would use stereotypes, but when you read American literature, sometimes it has like a very particular American taste. Okay. And you cannot feel it that much with this poem. It, it really feels international in a way. Hmm. That if you read it, you wouldn't guess in the first sight that it's an American writing it. Right. What do you mean by American taste? <laughs> I mean more, for instance, with all, all the other poems that we'll have today, you can see some of the story of the countries where the writer is from. Mm -hmm. So I know you have some prepared from Ireland and you can see a little bit that it feels a bit more European, a yes. bit more Irish. Mm -hmm. Well, in this one, you don't feel the common American traditions and consider more that this author is from the late 20th and century and 21st century. Mm -hmm. So that's why I would I was expecting something more modern at first sight when you hear that it's from an American, but she manages to keep it more international and more like cold to the past, which mm -hmm. I think is, is very valuable in a poem nowadays yeah. that basically you can write about whatever you want to write. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like with American poets, maybe there's sort of a disconnect from the, like when you take the example of Ireland, Ireland is a small country, politics is, is um, I mean, if, like identity is a very um, strongly felt thing, yeah, exactly. but in America, not so much, I, I guess. I mean, there obviously are people who are very in touch with their American identity, but if, for others, you know, because... It, it, it's not the same feeling indeed. Yeah. yeah. But I, I really liked it. Thank you very much for that first poem. It was the perfect opening for the uh, segment. And now I'll go with a poem that is in Spanish. So, of course, now I'm changing the language in my mind a bit. <laughs> So this poem is called Sequerian, which is basically in English like they loved each other in the past, and is by Vicente Alexandre. Sequerian, sufrían por la luz, labios azules en la madrugada, labios saliendo de la noche dura, labios partidos, sangre, sangre donde, se querían en un lecho navío, mitad noche, mitad luz. Se querían como las flores a las espinas ondas, a esa amorosa gema del amarillo nuevo. Cuando los rostros giran melancólicamente, giralunas que brillan recibiendo aquel beso. Se querían de noche, cuando los perros hondos laten bajo la tierra y los valles estiran, como lomos arcaicos que se sienten repasados, caricia, seda, mano, luna que llega y toca. Se querían de amor entre la madrugada, entre las duras piedras cerradas de la noche. Duras como los cuerpos helados por las horas. Duras como los besos de diente a diente solo. Se querían de día, playa que va creciendo. Ondas que por los pies acarician los muslos. Cuerpos que se levantan de la tierra y flotando se querían de día, sobre el mar, bajo el cielo. Mediodía perfecto, se querían tan íntimos. Mar altísimo y joven, intimidad extensa. Soledad de lo vivo. Horizontes remotos ligados como cuerpos en soledad cantando. Amando, se querían como la luna lúcida, como ese mar redondo que se aplica a ese rostro. Dulce eclipse de agua, mejilla oscurecida, donde los peces rojos van y vienen sin música. Día, noche, ponientes, madrugadas, espacios, ondas nuevas, antiguas, fugitivas, perpetuas, mar o tierra, navío, lecho, pluma, cristal, metal, música, labio, silencio, vegetal, mundo, quietud, su forma. Se querían, sabedlo. Okay, so that was Se querían by Vicente. Alexander, it has as well a, a Finnish line that is really impressive, it's very nice. So I don't know um, what you think about it. Of course, it's in Spanish, but... Uh, the story is a little bit about, well, it's a matter of saying that two people loved each other in the past. And so it tells a little bit the story of how impressive this love was, taking some elements from nature, some elements as well from the landscape. And then it's just saying like they loved each other, but somehow it is, it is meant to tell that they're not together anymore, that maybe something happened, maybe they are apart due to the distance, due to something else. So it's a bit this story that this guy is telling. And... 
it's very visual in the elements it uses. So that's like, <laughs> so that you understand more or less what it means. But I try to use like the different changes in the voice, like mm. to represent exactly what is the feeling of saying this, that you are loving someone, but at the same time, you are regretting not being without someone. So it's a bit bipolar the way the poem is written. And of course, the, the way the poem is read. Oh, that was a very good reading, I must say. Yeah, thanks. As someone who doesn't speak Spanish, that was that's, uh, very powerful. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the idea, like that it doesn't matter the language, that you're able to feel the poem mm. a little bit. Yeah. So this was the second poem was as well very nice. I read it and I really loved it. So now we are going back in time a little bit. So as Claire read one from 2020, this one was from 1977. I mean, the Nobel Prize. And I think that we are ready for our next song. So our next song was actually chosen by Claire and we'll discuss it a bit and it has something to do as well with the Nobel Prize. So this next song is by the marvelous and amazing Bob Dylan and it is called Simple Twist of Fate. They sat together in the park As the evening sky grew dark She looked at him and he felt a spark Tingle to his bones Twas then he felt alone And wished that he'd gone straight And watched out for a simple twist of fate They walked along by the old canal A little confused, I remember well And stopped into a strange hotel With a neon burning bright He felt the heat of the night Hit him like a freight train Moving with a simple twist of fate Saxophone someplace far off played As she was walking on by the arcade As the light bust through a beat up shade Where he was waking up She dropped her coin into the cup Above a blind man at the gate And forgot about a simple twist of fate Told himself he didn't care Pushed the window open wide Felt that emptiness inside To which he just could not relate Brought on by his simple twist of fate He hears the ticking of the clocks And walks along with a parrot that talks Hunts her down by the waterfront docks Where the sailors all come in Maybe she'll pick him out again How long must he wait One more time for his simple twist of fate People tell me it's a sin To know and feel too much within I still believe she was my twin but I lost the ring She was born in spring But I was born too late Blame it on this simple twist of fate
your back. That was Simple Twist of Fate by Bob Dylan. And Claire, I could see that you were really enjoying the song. So we had like a little talk in the meantime, but then you just put your headphones and you were really enjoying it. So I know you're a big fan from Bob Dylan. So I don't know if you can tell us a little bit of how he makes you feel or why do you like him that much? Um, well, uh, my parents are huge Bob Dylan fans. So he's been uh, playing in the radio in my house for my, my whole life. And uh, so that's, you know, so I have a personal reason for enjoying him. But he's also obviously, um, I mean, he wouldn't have won the Nobel Prize for Literature if he wasn't an incredible talent as well. Exactly. So um, from an objective point of view, I mean, yeah, uh, you can hear that in, in the song you just heard. It's His lyrics are sort of mysterious and, and um, uh, they, they kind of describe another world that none of us have lived in. Um, I mean, not just this song, but he he draws on sort of folklore and old uh, old um, old folk songs. He sort of reworks lyrics from old folk songs, and uh, there's just this kind of nostalgia in his in his music and in his words that is is really hard to to do well, I think. And yeah, he's 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 quite a quite a. a, a a blessing to the human race, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And as you were saying, his poem, well, his lyrics are very deep. So when you read him without knowing that it's a song, it really feels po like poetry. Mm. So he's well-deserved, as you were saying, the, uh, the Nobel Prize. Yes. But I think that's something that happens with Bob Dylan. Uh, well, I'm generalizing here, but I am guessing many people don't like him that much as well, because if you listen to his music, he may seem a little bit monotonous <laughs> in the rhythms yeah. that he uses. But yeah. at the end, it's the power, the power in his songs are the lyrics. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you have this impression or if it is just myself that if you just play like a whole, a whole collection of Bob Dylan at the same time, after three, four songs, everything will sound <laughs> a bit similar if you're not paying attention to the yeah. lyrics. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I suppose the music, it, it can be, there's he has a lot of songs that sound kind of like duplicates of, of one another. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but again, he has a lot of songs. Yeah, so, so that's, that's normal. true, that's true, yeah. yeah. But um, I think also a reason why I hear people don't like Bob Dylan is because they say that he's a bad singer. Nah. <laughs> I, I mean, of course you would not expect him to go that high and to have like yeah. that high pitch. Yeah, especially that song is a good example when he's going, astray. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, you would not expect that from him when you listen to his music. You're really yeah. interested in the lyrics and how it makes you feel rather than being impressed by his vocal um, abilities. Mm -hmm. And he was, um, it was quite a controversy, I think, when he won the, the Nobel Prize yeah. for Literature. I mean, people didn't see songs as literature, but... He could just as easily just re release the lyrics in a, in a book and then it would be literature and then people would be happy. Yeah, exactly. But I think that he has as well, I mean, not from him, but of course you can find books with his lyrics. Mm. And even after the Nobel Prize, maybe that's why they did it, like to promote yeah. it more as literature for decreasing a little bit the, con the controversy of it. Yeah. Yeah, but it's an amazing singer. I totally agree with you. I really enjoy listening to him as well. So I think we are ready to move to our next poem. Oh, yes. So we are going to go back to Claire and we are again going back to the past. So not that back as my poem, but we're going to a novel winner from 1995. So the microphone is all yours, Claire. Uh, well, the, the winner was Seamus Heaney, who is an Irish poet. And the poem I'm going to read is called Follower. My father worked with a ho horse plough. His shoulders globed like a full sail strung between the shafts and the furrow. The horses strained at his clicking tongue, an expert. He would set the wing and fit the bright steel-pointed sock. The sod rolled over without breaking, at the head rig with a single pluck of reins. The sweating team turned around and back into the land. His eye narrowed and angled at the ground, mapping the furrow exactly. I stumbled in his hobnailed wake, fell sometimes on the polished sod. Sometimes he rode me on his back, dipping and rising to his plod. I wanted to grow up and plough, to close one eye, stiffen my arm. All I ever did was follow in his broad shadow round the farm. I was a nuisance, tripping, falling, yapping always. But today it is my father who keeps stumbling behind me and will not go away. <laughs> that's, that's very nice. That's... <laughs> It, it tells a story, so you are like, okay, listening to the story, letting yourself go with it. So it's it's very nice. And wh why did you choose it? 
it's. I mean, I, I think it's a funny poem. Obviously, there's more <laughs> to it than that, but I, I love that ending, <laughs> especially the, the version that I, I had there on my phone. It doesn't have a full stop at the end, so it, it, <laughs> so it, it for some reason, that makes it look like more of a meme to me. <laughs> okay, but that was very nice. It was very entertaining. Yeah, I mean it, the the whole the the setup for it, where he's describing his father working in the field, is very sort of you know conventional poetry. Especially <laughs> since it's it's a rhyming poem, it's it's very conventional and um, just talking about farm work and uh, that sort of rural Northern Ireland. That image of rural Northern Ireland um, is very on par with the rest of his work, but. Um, uh, I, I just like I, I like that ending a lot. <laughs> I think it's a, it, it's it's sweet and lovely and funny at the same time. Yeah, I agree, and as well as you were saying that it's like a very rhythmic and poem, mm -hmm. so that gives it the touch as well to be a bit more comical with, with what it tries to um, to show to display. Mm -hmm. And something that I really liked of that poem was that fact of being rhythmic. Because nowadays, for modern or contemporary poetry, when you have a lot of rhyme, I don't like it that much because it feels like singing when it's not that deep. Mm -hmm. But here it has like a purpose itself. And it goes along with telling the story and goes a little bit, okay, yes, we are setting ourselves like in a landscape, um, imagining ourselves in Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. And then you feel like the story, like, well, the, the way it brings to my mind to know that it's not time accurate, but it's like medieval, medieval like oratory when you have like these people really uh, whose only job is to read out loud poetry or just like narratives and then they keep this kind of rhythmic style in order to make it more entertaining mm. for the people. So I feel this vibe with the poem. So again, it's not that medieval, medieval it fits with the time place, but it's more like the intention of it. That right. it's meant to be read out loud, it's meant to yeah. have that funny game while reading mm. it. Yeah, that's very true. And he's, he's quite in general, he's quite a um, light-hearted poet, I would say. He's he's got more serious subject matter in other poems, but uh, it, it's it's nice to have a poet that doesn't take himself so seriously. He's yeah. not packing it full of, <laughs> you know, esoteric references and, and things like that. Yeah, I agree. No, and as well, it gets depressing for the poets if they are <laughs> always with his dark mind, being yeah. all his poetry all noir, and it, it gets tiring. Mm -hmm. It's very dense as well, so it's nice that okay, I'm reading to some, um, I'm reading some of his poetry. It's funny, but then I'm going serious. Okay, he has a point. Yeah. So I think it helps the poet itself. Mm -hmm. So it was very nice. I really liked it, <laughs> and well, the fact that he was Irish, I think that was very cool. Yeah. That was very nice, and wow, it, it's impressive that that you managed to find someone Irish for this show. So as we're I was talking. saying, there's so many Irish yeah. Nobel uh, literature laureates. Yeah, I was surprised. I had no idea. And then you were mentioning that and I was like, very nice. <laughs> like Colombia, there is only one. <laughs> but okay, we are a country that's not been there that much time. So maybe right, in the right. future we'll have more. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I'm rooting for you. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> now we'll follow with the next poem. So the next poem again is Spanish, but this one is not from Spain, the author, but is from Chile. And this is a woman, so I wanted to look as well for diversity of genres to show that sometimes poetry does not have to be um, uh, for only one genre, but uh, yeah, gender, sorry, yeah. And um, poetry does not have to be only for one gender, or, or if it is a woman writing the poem, it does, it does not mean that a man cannot read it or can experience what the poet wants to show in the poem. So this next poem is called Besos by Gabriela Mistral. Besos y esquizas en Spanish. Hay besos que pronuncian por sí solos, la sentencia de amor condenatoria. Hay besos que se dan con la mirada, hay besos que se dan con la memoria. Hay besos silenciosos, besos nobles, hay besos enigmáticos, sinceros. Hay besos que se dan solo las almas, hay besos por prohibidos, verdaderos. Hay besos que calcinan y que hieren, Hay besos que arrebatan los sentidos. Hay besos misteriosos que han dejado mil sueños errantes y perdidos. Hay besos problemáticos que encierran una clave que nadie ha descifrado. Hay besos que engendran la tragedia. Cuántas rosas en broche han deshojado. Hay besos perfumados, besos tibios que palpitan en íntimos anhelos. Hay besos que en los labios dejan huellas como un campo de sol entre dos hielos. Hay besos que parecen azucenas, por sublimes, ingenuos y por puros. Hay besos traicioneros y cobardes, hay besos maldecidos y perjuros. Judas besa a Jesús y deja impresa en su rostro de Dios la felonía. 
mientras la Magdalena con sus besos fortifica piadosa su agonía. Desde entonces en los besos palpita el amor y la traición y los dolores. En las bodas humanas se parecen a la brisa que juega con las flores. Hay besos que producen desvaríos de amorosa pasión ardiente y loca. Tú los conoces bien. Son besos míos, inventados por mí para tu boca. Besos de llama que en rostro impreso llevan los surcos de un amor verdado. Besos de tempestad, salvajes besos que solo muestran labios han probado. ¿Te acuerdas del primero? Indefinible. Cubrió tu faz de carderos sonrojos y en los espasmos de emoción terrible llenáronse de lágrimas tus ojos. ¿Te acuerdas que una tarde en loco exceso te vi celoso imaginando agravios, te suspendí en mis brazos, vibró un beso y que viste después sangre en mis labios? Yo te enseñé a besar los besos fríos. Son de impasible corazón de roca. Yo te enseñé a besar con besos míos, inventados por mí para tu boca. So that was the fourth poem, I think. And I really like this last... Um, how do you call this in English? I've always had this doubt. For the poems, so you have the verses, but like um, different verses, what do they compose? How is it called in English? You mean a, a single line? Not the single line, because the single line is the verse. Oh, um, but, but the like the um, yeah the back of four or five verses. Oh, stanzas. Stanzas. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks. <laughs> New <laughs> word. I, I've always had a doubt, and I I have never tried to find the word in English, but now I know it's stanzas. So I like the last stanza. 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 Sorry. It's the Italian word for oh, room. Okay. <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so I really like it because it's basically saying that I have invented my kisses for your mouth. So that's very nice and it's powerful and it ends the poem very nice. I think that we are ready for our next song. Our next song is a very nice song that is again a bit poetical and it's a bit erotic in the way you listen to it. I found it in a very nice um, playlist from a Spotify called Sexy as Folk. So <laughs> it's very nice, very nice playlist. And this next song is Light a Fire by Mick Flannery. The singer was the writer He was of a softer cut He wouldn't come and join the party He'd be back scribbling in his bunk The boys were going crazy They were like drunken dogs in heat They'd hit out after every show And try with any girl they'd meet Rock and roll, baby, rock and roll Drugs desire The world is nothing And life is less Let's go light a fire Baby Let's go make a mess The singer's wife tagged along For a week And the two of them would get drunk They'd come and join us And all was cool Until they caught the bug Drive to Berlin We found some girls game for the trip Booze was flying round the bus And a fire was getting lit Rock and roll, baby Rock and roll Money, drugs, desire The world is nothing And life is less Let's go light a fire, baby Let's go make a mess To another thing And clothes were on the floor A married couple joining in Though one of them liked it more The look on his face as he caught her eye And she riding wild and free There's nothing like a woman's pleasure To get up man's jealousy Rock and roll, baby, rock and Drugs desire The world is nothing And life is less Let's go light a fire Baby Let's go make a mess I saw him 
slip off down the back and she finished on top of me and in the morning in the morning the dews were plain to see he did not show for the berlin show nor did he show at the hotel the tour promoter lost his mind and the gig was shot to hell rock and roll baby rock and roll That was Light a Fire by Mick Flannery. And unfortunately, we've run out of time. We're having fun. Time flies. And thank you very much, Claire, for being here. It was such a pleasure. It was beautiful poetry, and we really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And as I was mentioning, you're welcome to join us for any other show. Thank you. Okay, so to close this radio show, I'd like to invite all of our listeners to follow us on our social media. Remember to read our articles on our website, thevoiceluven.be, or to come follow us on our different social media as The Voice International Student Publication. And you can find as well our podcast on Spotify, podcast.com, and Mixcloud as The Voice on Radio. Anita, thank you very much for being here with us and for helping us during this show and with these amazing news and amazing articles. It was a pleasure as always. See you next week. Yes, see you next week. And the last song to close this show is a very special and experimental song by an artist that is called Soko and it's called Replaceable Heads. Very poetic. See you next week. My head is never quite together these days. I can test So I don't It's a mess up there So I don't let anyone too close Or anyone too good looking Nowhere near me after midnight Because it always gets too desirable And then I regret it
feel is what I need. I'm so insecure, and that's to say. 